Inside the Belly by Orion Meadows. I'm inside the belly, but it's no folktale. It's the reality of being confined within a prison cell and on the gallery throughout the day, the convicts yell. Go ahead, ask me what it's like. My response is nothing short of a living hell. Yes, inside the belly where I reside, where the organs of men still function, but their hopes and dreams have died. As the minutes and hours pass, turning into months and then years. And the passage of time marked on the canvas of the face, the consequential sorrow, embolized by their tattoo tears. I'm inside the belly of the beast with no heart that swallow the prey mercilessly and gnaws on it incessantly until it rips it apart. For in the belly, sympathy does not live, and despite the catechisms they teach us, the beast does not forgive. Right here in the belly is where I've been the number of ostracized and the more unfortunate of men, some unjustly in fetters. Others rightfully so for their sins, sentenced to abide in the irrelevance and mediocrity over and over again. Yes, I'm inside the belly, the place which has many names, the can, the slammer, the joint. Call it whatever you wish. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. For I dwell in the realm of shadows and perennial pain with my mind set on that great moment when this old beast shall be conquered and slain you're listening to spoken soul sessions Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and looted dances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Start from scratch, exploring new possibilities. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black, and I'm happy to be here today. How are you doing, Spoken Soul family? I hope your day is going as beautiful as mine. Peace, family. I hope today you find yourself a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. 
I hope today you're striving to be the better person you want to be tomorrow. That mission starts today. Family, family, family. It brings me so much pleasure to do this show today. Y'all know how I do. I be on Instagram. I be I be checking out the poets. I be checking out all of the talent. And I came across this one brother that really, truly moved me. Really, truly. So I thought, hey, why not have him on the show? And let him wow all of you. Let me give this brother the proper introduction he deserves. I'm talking about none other than my brother, Orion Meadows. Which is, he's a slam spoken word performance artist, activist, author, and public speaker. Much of his activism is expressed through his art. Orion is a member of the organizations such as Naifi, National Alliance for the Empowerment of the Formerly Incarcerated, and PNAP, Prisoners Neighborhood Arts and Education Project. While attending Northeastern Illinois University, he's an advocate for the implementation of the creative arts and academic programs in the Department of Correction that has served as a participant in Queen Mother Helen Sinclair's Jesse's Ma Houston Prison Outreach Ministry, which is a branch of the Rainbow Push Coalition. Among his other accomplishments, he has attained ordination in West African and African-American religious and cultural studies from the Temple of Ole, which is also known as Ruya Ole, and is the founder of the Sahu Creative. His publications are entitled Inside the Box, Birthmark, and The Rose That Grew from the Barbed Wire. Orion is very passionate about his craft, urban aesthetics, and culture, and using hip-hop arts as a vessel to raise awareness in the community. His social media outlets are Facebook under his name, Orion Meadows, and his account on Instagram is listed as O Meadows. It brings me so much pleasure. Y'all go definitely follow this brother and you will see why. But it brings me so much pleasure to welcome to the Spoken Soul Session Studio, my brother and your brother, Mr. Orion Meadows. What's good, my brother? What's good? What's good? How you doing today, man? How you feeling, brother? I'm well, man. Oh, I'm well. How you doing, sir? I'm, I'm I'm so good, man. I'm so good, man. I mean, I I I can't wait to delve into this interview, my brother, because you really truly moved me. I caught your interview when you did an interview with um my brother William Washington, and it was a dope interview. And the pieces you performed on that platform was just dynamic. And it caught my eye because I was doing a lot of things, but I had it playing. And then you did this piece that you're going to bless us with today. And it just moved me, man. It moved me by so many. I mean, it really touched me the way you put that expression into words. And my audience can get a chance today to hear that poem. It's a dope poem. But my brother, man, my brother, let me let me start the interview by asking you, the number one question I ask every guest. 
And I ask this question because I want to get the different perspectives from different artists. You know, you know how poets think, you know, we think different. So I like to get right. the different perspective from different artists. And that question is, my brother, why poetry? Why spoken word? Um, well, I've always kind of like been an MC. I think I wrote my first rap maybe when I was like 10 years old or something like that. Um, and so back then, of course, rap to a lot of people, so-called scholars, wasn't equated with conventional poetry, right? Which we know better. But back then, you know, rap was like a genre that was totally different. So when I was growing up, I didn't really associate rap with what we would call poetry like that you would read in the schools. Mm -hmm. But I used to rap. I was incarcerated. I did time and I used to battle guys on the yard. Mm. And so this one guy, um, I had, had heard one of my rhymes and I think, I think I remember some of the verses is I said, uh, um, I can't think of it right now. If I think of it, I'll say it for you later. But anyway, he heard one of my rhymes and he was like, Hey man, um, have you ever thought about writing poetry? And then I told him like, nah, not really. You know, I've never really been into it. He said, man, I think you'd be real good at it. And so then like two days later, a guy walked up to me and he just asked me if I could write a poem for his girl. Mm. And so I look, I took it as a sign, like, OK, well, that's, you know, two people in three days talking about me writing poetry. And so whenever I try to do something, I, I, I like to really give it my best. So mm. what I did was I went to the library and I had gotten books on uh, T.S. Eliot, Shakespeare, uh, Edgar Allan Poe and anthologies and I began studying it and that I went from there I began writing it I've just been doing it ever since wow man amazing and you can tell in your writing because let me inform the audience that piece that I, I recited in the um, beginning of the show you guys know it was written by my brother Orion Meadows right here and it was a phenomenal piece man and because I read a lot of different artists work you know it's my way of paying homage to the art you know so when I when I read your poem, what I noticed off rip when you when you sent it to me, it's so pleasing to the eye, the construction. You know what I mean? Like you know where the poem is going from from beginning to end. So it was definitely well put together. The content is on another level, man. The content is on another level, but the way the poem was actually written in the stanzas, everything was perfect you know what i mean like a person who read who read poetry can follow it very easily and you know what i'm saying can really you know give it justice that that i believe that poem is a is a dope poem my brother in the belly man and uh thank you thank you thank you and i actually mm -hmm. i wrote that for um truly press their uh publication that's in chicago and also in ithaca new york mm. and uh they send uh, like a lot of they send a lot of information to inmates um, that, unfortunately, the administration would not like for them to have. Mm. And but they're real big. They're actually like abolitionists. They're into you know prison abolition, and so that's a special point for me because at that time they were actually trying to restrict me from even getting mail and sending mail out. But I was somehow able to conceal it mm. and sneak it out so that's why <laughs> for me because i was in isolation at the time mm. and they didn't really want me to get that out Hello, you know 
that's 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 yeah. that's that's wild man let me ask you though man let me so when you came home like how was your transition how was the transition of you you know like making that transition from being incarcerated to come into the the free world like was it a hard transition for you or was it was it just a pretty easy transition yeah it was difficult man um just everything just moving quickly and the way that people move out here is different than the way people move out there so i'm getting used to that um the adjustment that i had to make with like people my my like my family members that i hadn't seen for a long time and keep in mind i was like a teenager mm. when i got locked up and so people they still perceive you as the person that you were before mm. you got locked up no matter how much you may have accomplished while you were in there mm. they can't really see your progress mm. and so in their minds the person that you were before you got locked up is still there no matter how much you may have shown or grown like hey you could get degrees you could do all these other things and physically you look different but in their minds you, they're still back in those years before you were incarcerated right. so just trying to really get re and then they change right mm -hmm. so trying to familiarize yourself with them and you know and, and all the other things with the world as well but the people that are close to you that you're coming into contact with just trying to get familiar with them is is a, is a struggle as well exactly. and not the technology things like that that i had to deal with um that was also a, a, a struggle for me and it still is i'm still trying to get acclimated with certain things mm. but yeah it was not easy it wasn't i mean it was like shawshank redemption right like <laughs> you want to go back i mean maybe there are some people like that but i'm driven so i i, I wouldn't want to go back but it was definitely I can some, see, there were definitely I, some hurdles i had to get over i can see that drive and like they say when you go away like it's like a time capsule when you go to prison. A lot of times, you know, everything is changing that you know to be real, but you, you're not around it no more. So you're in some place isolated, but shit is going on outside. The life is moving. People are growing and you're got, you got to get familiar or re-familiar with those different personalities because you know, you knew the personalities when you was younger, but when you coming home, it's like, wow, I got to learn these people all over again. And sometimes it can be it can be a little awkward or it can be a little hindering for some people. But my brother, I see it all on you that you're really driven and you really and you're really focused. You're, you're definitely really focused, man. And I can see that. And um, you see because you can definitely tell because everybody don't come home the same way. You know what I'm saying? So you can tell what a person was doing when they was when they was doing time by how they how their character is when they come home and a lot of people you know when they come home they got this disposition about them and it's like everything they don't know how to readjust to 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 come to 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 embrace people to the to the point where individuals can be comfortable around them you know what i'm saying right. so a lot of times, man, you find it, man, you find it that individuals that they occupy their time when they up north and things of that nature by doing dumb shit. 
Because you got some individuals who build and you got some individuals who destroy while they up north. It's a it's a really it's really time. It's really time. The fact that you have this time to become better, or you really you have the time to become anything you want. It right. was the, it was this one parable, right? I'll share with you, right? It was this one, not a parable, but it was like a little story that that I learned, <laughs> and it was funny when I heard it for the first time. It was like a person goes into a store, and this store got nothing but anything you can want or anything you can think about is in this store so it's like a desirable store that whatever desire you have it will be met so you walk in the store so the storekeeper he greets you at the door and he say hey, welcome to my store you come into the store and he's showing you around so he the storekeeper takes the guy to the back and he see a shelf with a whole bunch of brains like brains in jars like actual human brains and jars so the individual gets taken aback and like yo what well, why you got brains and jars so he said oh this is my most prized possession this is my most expensive gallery right here he said these are the brains of different occupations with the brain you can become whatever the brain you know whatever the brain you know possess like for example right. he said this brain right here is of a computer technician with this brain you can be a computer technician this is the brain of a rocket scientist and he said with this brain you can be a rocket scientist so he had this one jaw that was like different from all the rest it was it had diamond cut in it it was sparkly and it had all the the bells and whistles on it. so he said what about that brain he said whoa now that brain right there that's my most expensive item in this store so he said what do that brain do he said that is the brain of a person who's been incarcerated he <laughs> said with that brain you can be anything you want because you had the time to practice it you had the time to, to really mold it to be the best. So if you wanted to be a straight detriment to your society, a straight liability to all your family and friends who love you, you can be the best at it. On the other hand, if you wanted to be, you know, an upstanding citizen or you wanted to be, you know, give back to your community, be, be a pillar, be an inspiration to your community, you can be the best. And I always use that analogy because it's so true time when you have time you have time to grow but sometimes time can hurt you you can have time to to be worse in your endeavors as opposed to pulling yourself out so i think it's it's so it's so incredible and it's so remarkable i want you to know that i see it on your person my brother i see the way you carry yourself i see the diction you use and i see your character you know what i mean i can see that i got a, a good sense of of reading people and I, I sense all those good things and all those positive things. And I see you're so focused, my brother. And I really wanted to have you on this show to spotlight you, man, because I think you really got something to say. So we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about your books. I know you got your books. We're gonna see how we're gonna get those books. But the first thing I wanna do, I wanna I wanna get my audience acquainted with your powerful spoken word, my brother. So I'm gonna play a I'm gonna play a, a clip from one of my sponsors. And then we'll get I'll set the stage for you and you can get into your first piece, my brother. All right. So let me play this real quick. And uh, you just get ready. Just get ready to do your thing. 
Hello, this is William S. Peters Sr., a.k.a. Just Bill from Interchild Press International. First, I must say we at Interchild Press are proud to support my brother, Daniel Green, a.k.a. Poetic Black, and his prolific, embracing, and informative program, Spoken Soul Sessions. As a publisher and now sponsor of the work Poetic Black does, we at Interchild Press International offer to you his listeners, and all spoken word artists, writers, and poets, a 10% discount on all of our publishing packages and services. Please mention code SPOKENSOUL to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. You can contact us at InTouch at innerchildpress.com, and we hope to see your words in print very soon. We are Interchild Press International, building bridges of cultural understanding. That's www.innerchildpress.com. Thank you. Coming to the stage, I want to give a warm, warm welcome to my brother and your brother, Mr. Orion Meadows. All right, all right. All right, you can hear me well, right, sir? All right, check this yeah. out. This is a piece that I had actually written, and uh, I saw I was in this substance abuse class, and, uh, you know, I just, you'll hear it. I, I use a lot of references to substance abuse and things like that because I was writing it for this one event that they had, a special event, and I just wanted to make it real dope where the people that were there that could relate, even though I had never really had a substance abuse problem. But I, I know that even when you out there living a life of crime, whether it's gang banging, dealing drugs or whatever, right, it's about a behavioral patterns and the, and the way that you think. So I could relate. And so I try to put it all together. So it's like this. As a child, I remember watching the two and seeing rappers like Ice Cube promote St. Ives. And Billy D. Williams looking all distinguished, posing, holding in his hand a can of Colt 45. And I was told that weekends were made for Michelob and celebrations were occasions that called for Miller time. And all the women in the advertisements with dimes, I'm talking Holly Berry fine, looking like top models, holding bottles. But never would you see them take one swallow, although we all know what was being implied. And I couldn't wait for my time to shine. 21. No, reverse those numbers. I was more like 12 when I popped open my first can because from what I could understand, that was one's rite of passage to becoming a man. So I got my first buzz before I met my first love. And after I graduated, I graduated and I smoked my first dub. I went from drinking bud to smoking buds, following patterns of the older thugs, on the corner holding guns, perpetuating the cycle of hate and genocide, which made me think that I had discovered real hood love. In my altered state, I thought my fate was to stay high until I die, until I caught my case. And then when I came here, my blurred vision became clear. Seeing reality through sober eyes has a way of doing that to you sometimes. If you're truly being real with yourself. In confinement, I had to come to terms with my complexes and deal with myself. So I took this time. And then I took the time to analyze the deep-seated issues, to nurse the wounds and scar tissue to heal myself. Either that or let this black hole take my mind captive and kill myself. And that option wasn't part of the playbook, had no access to the Internet, no Facebook. But I kept my face in books. You may look at my face and see the typical everyday crook, but don't just judge this book's face. Study the content of his character. The substance of my self-destruction was homegrown. I was made in America. 
If you read my autobiography, the book of my life, you swear there's no way angels would write my name in Jesus Christ's book of life. But there are chapters still being written. The author is not finished. My sentence wasn't an ending, but a new beginning. The story's not a tragedy, but an epic hero's journey like the Chronicles of Riddick. As a youth, I was bitter. Tried to drown my pain by diving in swimming pools full of liquor. But now my world's view is different. Now that I'm standing on dry shores, I aspire to ascend my step to my success. I remember being told the sky's the limit, but through the creative power of my mind's imagination, I've transcended. Today, my experience of joy and rapture doesn't have to come from a flower, but through true awareness of self. The realization of my highest power. Wow, B. Let's get you get another one for that, my brother. That right there, man. So on point, man. So on point, man. And you said you wrote that. You said you wrote that for a substance abuse uh, uh, seminar that you was going to. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, cause they um, and I had just actually entered the club program, and I convinced the guy, like, look, man, you know, uh. I know you just really met me. I only been here like a couple of weeks or whatever, but I want to get down, man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got something for you. I actually, I had told him his name's Dave Lingle, a real good guy. Mm. Let me break it down to you real quick about the guy. The guy actually retired as a counselor, but he came back as a volunteer. That's how much committed he was to the program coming mm. back for free, mm. you know, real good guy. So I wanted to shout him out, but, um, yeah, so I actually told him, like, yeah, man, I got some stuff written down, that, but I didn't. I went and I wrote that just for that, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, so. That's what's up, that's man. What that, that piece is powerful, B, because you, you made a lot of great points, how they prime you for this. You know what I mean? Like you say, you say I'm homegrown. This is, this is me. This is what you produce. That's that's profound because I remember those commercials when I was growing up. I remember Billy D. Williams. He had the Coke 45 and and he was who was cooler more cooler than Billy D back then. Right, right. He right. had his little Jerry Curl and all that with his white little yeah. you know what I'm saying, smoker's jacket. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the tiger used to come yeah. or something used to come out of the what you call it, like, yeah, be a bull or whatever. I don't know. But yeah. definitely, man, yeah. I remember those commercials and you remember how they prime you. They prime you for that. Mm-hmm. They prime you for the addiction that they curse you for when you get addicted. You know what I'm saying? Right. You you, you right. say that weed and marijuana, you don't want people smoking weed or marijuana, but you allow the the consumption of alcohol and cigarettes, which kills more people than, you know what I'm saying? How many people died off of weed? Like, really, how many right. people overdosed right. off of weed? How many people get right. in car accidents and kill whole families over weed? You don't see it. But, uh, I think you made some great points in that poem, man. And and that's what they do. That's the whole thing they do. They they curse you. They curse you for the for the things that they set those traps for you to fall into and then they curse you once you do. It reminds right. me of a old uh a old I don't know if you up on Dead Prez, but Dead Prez had a uh yeah, Dead Prez, you know, you know this. So Dead Prez, man. Oh, man, let's get free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know. So they, they had the joint on there when they was talking, the man was talking and he was like, yeah. He said it in the in, in the Antarctic, what they do to catch a wolf, they take a double-edged blade, they put blood on it, and they invert it in the snow. And the wolf comes and he starts to lick it. And he licks the blood, but he cuts his tongue. So the more he licks, the more blood is there. And he think that he's enjoying a good meal 
but he's actually killing himself. So that analogy was deep. But what he said is, he said, instead of you blaming the motherfucker who put it, put the knife there, you will blame the wolf for having a good meal, for trying to have a good meal. So right. when you put the obstacles out there, you got to be real slicker and above average to see the plights and the schemes they got coming at you. And a lot right. of times they don't understand that. That's what I really dug about the piece that you did in the um, belly of the beast. And that joint you did in the belly, in the, in the belly, when you were saying that you got some people who, who are there rightfully so. Some people are there rightfully so. But then you got other individuals that's in them feathers that don't belong there. That don't belong there. They set you up. They want you. I just seen it on the news the other day. They in on one of them towns, they had this this mayor judge or whatever she was. She was ordering the police to lock up young black boys, lock them up, try to get them a record, to get them a record. So, you know what I'm saying? They can you can hinder their career from that point. You give them that felony. You dig what I'm saying? So it's it's crazy, man. But that poem is so profound and it hits a lot of points that. That's going on in our community, man. Dope peace, my brother. Dope peace. So I wanted to ask you another question. What was it like when you performed for the first time on a stage? On a stage? Oh, man. Um, so I think the first time I ever performed on a stage, it was years ago because I used to live in Augusta, Georgia. And I want to shout out, um, I might have been like 16, 17. I want to shout out my guys. Uh, I had a crew back then called the Clever Kids. Mm. And uh, so we performed at like a little talent show or whatever. Uh, I think that was the first time on a stage. And then another time around that same time, I actually went to, we used to freestyle on this radio station called The Beat down there. Mm. And so it's just, uh, how can I say it? The first time, um, it's a test to see where you are for me. It's mm. one of those things. Like, let me see if I, I really am uh, who I say I am when I'm up there. Like, mm. I'm not really, I've never really been intimidated by crowds or anything like that. But it's just about me measuring where I am. Do Am I really where I think I am? That's what's going on. That's the process in my mind when I'm going through something like that. Mm. And then after like that, that piece that I just said was the first time that I had actually been able to stand up before a group of people and a, a large group of people, because it was an event with a lot of people there and be able to recite. So there had been many years after the time that I had done the talent show prior to my incarceration. So it was almost like a first time because it had been so long. That was kind of like surreal for me mm. because I had visualized, I had visualized it in my mind's eye. And so I saw everything and it was just, when it happened, it was something coming to fruition that I had imagined, but then it also gave me a glimpse into my future. Mm. So I had visualized that moment occurring and then it had come to fruition in real time. But then it also showed me like, this is what you're going to be doing when you get out. I feel you. If you can kind of like understand, I can feel you know you. what I'm saying with that. And that moment, I know that moment 
when you see it that you because that's crazy you said that that moment when it actually happens i know it had to be a moment for you it had to be a moment when you say yo i seen this i seen this right here i seen me doing this and that moment damn man that's that's profound my brother that's profound i know i know that feeling I know that feeling of wanting to do something and you see yourself doing it. And then you see when you when you realize that you're doing it, when you realize that you're doing it, it's like a, a, a moment that everything stands still and be like, wow, I set out to do this mm-hmm. and I achieved it. You know, I'm doing yes. it. It's, it's here. Like it's so refreshing to, to, to speak words and make them come into fruition, to make them come into fruition. I remember mm-hmm. when I got the name Poetic Black. <clears throat> I remember I got that name Poetic Black. And I was trying to develop a stage name. And I was like, yo, what's my stage name going to be? Because a friend of mine kind of told me that I should do spoken word. Because I used to just write. I used to write my own little personal things. And I would allow certain people to, to read it. But I didn't allow everybody to read it. But my friend, a good friend of mine, he was like, yo, bro, I think you'd be dope at a spoken, as, as being a spoken word artist. So when the deaf poetry um, circuit came around, that that was a, a, a deciding factor also because I, I seen them perform. I'm like, yo, I like that. I like what they're doing. I like the way I feel when I hear these inspirational poems. And I want to deliver that same type of feeling to other people. So in... And doing that, when he told me, he said, yo, listen, man, you should do the spoken word joint. So I said, all right, I'm going to do it. And I start, I wrote my first spoken word piece. And I remember me thinking about what my name is going to be. And I was like, what can sum me up? And I was like, poetic black. And then the, 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 the thought that ran in my head was poetic like my thoughts, but black how my heart used to be. You know what I'm saying? And I put that in a poem mm-hmm. when I first came into the into the into the um spoken word game. Cause people always ask me, like, yo, what do poetic black? Like, why you come up with poetic black? And it's very significant. The poetic right. is how I think. I, I'm always thinking in poetic prose. I'm always trying to turn something into a poetic moment. That's just me. But then the blackness, like, what's the black represent? That black is how I used to be. I used to be black, you know what I'm saying? And, okay. and it's because of that light. The light, it can show you, like you can see lightness so much better when you're in pitch darkness. And people don't know that. When you're in the darkness, right. the light is so prevalent. You know, it's the darkness that's all around you. So it's in abundance. But when you see a little peak of light, it becomes so prevalent and you, you want to go to it. So, so I, I dig where you're coming from, my brother, being able to, you know, make that decision behind the wall and then come home and then put it into play, man. You wrote three books, man. You wrote three books, man. Like we want to get into these books. Now talk to us about the book, the first book, the first book. Um, All right. Yeah. The first book that you wrote, what's the, um, what's the name of that one? Okay, so now, you know, if we're going with the chronology of the books, right? Okay. Um, so the first book that was published, is, it was Inside the Box. Okay. But the first book that I actually wrote 
was birthmarked. birthmarked. I, I I knew it. How, how did I so, know that? I was just saying that I was like birthmark was the first one. <laughs> that was the first one. But yeah, right. yeah, that was the first one that I wrote. But the first one that got published was Inside the Box. And so like NAFI, the National Alliance for the Empowerment of Formerly Incarcerated, we have a saying mm. that you can't build your shield while you're on the battlefield. Mm. You know, and no warriors, you know, it's too late for that. You have to mm. be prepared. You, you already have ready. to have that shield. That's right. You have to be prepared for war. It's too late when you're out there on the battlefield and you try to get your shield and your weaponry. <laughs> That's and right. So I say that to say this. Um, those books I had begun writing while I was incarcerated. Mm. With that in mind, I had visualized all these things. And so what I did was I was taking my money. And I was saving it for this day, for the moment that I would come out for publication and promotion and things wow. like that. And so as I was and you may I don't know whether you had heard me on the other podcast, but I was telling the uh, guy that inmates get stimulus checks. And so a lot of guys were taking their stimulus money, buying commissary and shoes and all that. And I was thinking like, OK, the reason why they gave a lot of people these stimulus checks was so that they could help boost businesses. Right. Yeah. And so I looked at myself as like, hey, I'm a business. I consider myself a brand and what I'm trying to do. So I'm taking my stimulus money and I'm investing it. Mm. And so I was saving my money. I knew I was getting out. And, I, and so, so that's where all of that was going. So birthmark, actually, the meaning for birthmark is this. The, as I told you, when I began writing, when I began writing, I was studying what you would call the conventional or contemporary poetry that you learned in the schools. Mm -hmm. So I was writing. And if you were to study, if you were to read most of the poems that are in birthmark, you'll see that I use that kind of style, mm -hmm. writing in those kinds of stanzas and so forth. Mm -hmm. But inside the box is more kind of like in a slam fashion. Mm, I feel you. Because I discovered slam later. Mm. So if you read inside the box, you'll see that you, you is a different rhythm there mm, than you. the poem, most of the poems that I am birthmarked because the birthmark stands for my origin of my birth as a poet because I was introduced to contemporary poetry and that's how I, be, I began writing. Dope. And then also in the book, I have pictures of some of my family members, my relatives, old pictures. Like my great grandmother had these old pictures in her room. And I used to look at them when I was a, a, a little child and they captivated me. I didn't know who these people were, but there was just something about those pictures. Mm. And so once I got out, I had already written birthmark, but I saw those pictures and I'm like, you know what? It would be dope if I put these in here because like, as you read in my bio, I study, you know, I have ordination as a minister, what we call in the temple of Ole, Aruya Ole, Amochuku, which is really a priest. Mm. And so we study West African and African-American um, uh, religion. And if you know about that, then you know that we're like big on paying homage to our ancestors. Mm. So I wanted to include that into birthmark, Dope. my ancestors. My, my relatives and so forth. And so that's what the meaning behind birthmark comes from, you know, my lineage, my ancestry, but then also my birth as a poet. And then inside the box, of course, inside the box is about my experience in prison, mm. inside the box, um, taking you from the beginning, some of the things that I did 
that led to my incarceration, my experiences while I was incarceration, and then the transformation that came about, mm. you know, as a result of all of that. And then the third book, The Rose That Grew Through the Barbed Wire, was inspired by Tupac's The Rose That Grew From The Concrete. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, um, but what I did was I actually had commissioned some of the artists, guys, because I can't paint, you know, I can't draw, but I had an idea of what I wanted in the book. I wanted to depict certain things. And mm-hmm. I had read a book about this guy named Bob Thompson. He was a painter. He died in like the late 60s. But what he did was he would take old Renaissance paintings and he would do them over in his own style. So he was a figurative painter. And so I took the idea of what he was doing was like recreating old Renaissance paintings and and, and became a figurative painter. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to do something similar to what he did with the art that would depict the experiences Mm. that we have in prison. And so what I did was I commissioned those guys. I told them what I wanted. And then I also incorporated it with uh, some of the poetry that I had written. And that's what the rose that grew from the barbed wire is about. Dope. Dope. Now, let me ask you, are these books available on Amazon? Do we got to order them through you? People can get them from me, but they're also available on Amazon. Okay. Yes. So, so, all right, because yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting all three of those. I gotta, I gotta see how much are they? How much are they? How well, they're very, you know, they're very cheap. Um, I, when me personally, I sell them when I sell them hand in hand. I sell them six dollars a piece because I've actually helped people out with the shipping and handling. Instead of paying the extra dollar for shipping and handling, they'll pay just one more dollar when they get it for me. Mm. Um, but they're like. Four ninety nine paperback. And paperback. I'm not really trying. Yeah, yeah. They're four ninety nine paperback for the roads that grew through the barbed wire and birthmark. Mm. And then of course they have to pay the shipping and handling for that. And but in uh, the roads that grew through the barbed wire right now, the ebook is available. Paperback won't be available until two or three weeks. Okay. And so that one it costs. because there's so much in there. You have the artwork and you also have the poetry. Gotcha. So that one costs you around $23. So definitely, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely support. I'm urging all you guys to go out and check this brother out, man. And I yo, his poetry is dope. You know, he sent me a poem that I read in the beginning of the show, and I'm like, wow, I gotta get this brother's work. Because um, I think it's relevant, man. I think it's needed. So I want to purchase all three of those books. I want to urge you guys to go out there and purchase it on Amazon. You said so they can purchase it through you directly, like they can cash app you and you can send it to them, or they can purchase it through um Amazon, right? Which, which right, works right. better yeah, for yeah, you? They can, they can get it from Amazon or me. They can sell me. You know, I'll mm-hmm. give you my sale information. They can do it that way. Oh, okay. Bet, bet. So what yeah. we can do is... In the background, I'll put that in your description when I'm putting up when I when I do the um the little background stuff on the right. um, podcast. I'll definitely put that link. I'll put both those links in, so you'll be able to you know they can be able to contact you and purchase the book because I'm definitely getting them joints. 
Where are you no, located like, at though? Where are you where are you located? Are you what like what state are you in? I'm in Illinois. I'm in Chicago right in now. Chicago now. So, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm usually in Chicago and in the south suburbs of Chicago. Okay. That's where I do a lot of my work at, you know. Uh, I do my, my, my building in Chicago and then also there's a south suburb called Riverdale and Dalton, Illinois. Those okay. are the places where you'll find me most of the time. That's definitely, that's a good look, man, because you be my pipeline to, to get to Chicago, man. That's on my bucket list. I got to perform in Chicago. Like oh, Chicago, yeah, Chicago yeah, is one of the man. places that I definitely want to perform in. Like there's an artist out there, Malik Youssef. Malik Youssef, man, profound brother, man, profound artist, man. And he's out of, he's based out of Chicago. I really dig his work. But I, I definitely want to be able to touch a Chicago stage. That's one stage I haven't touched yet. I haven't performed in Chicago yet. I've been all over the country, but I haven't been to Chicago. And I'm definitely going. But yeah, my man, brother. It, yeah, but um, definitely, we got to get some more poetry. I'm being selfish, man. I know, know what I'm saying? Because there's so much I want to rap to you about. But I want the people to hear your words, too. So let, right. let me set the stage up for you. Come back and deliver us another piece, man. You know, because everybody know who follow my podcast, they know when I'm getting too into the interview, man, because I ain't really, uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk, let's chop it up some more, man. But your poetry is profound, my brother, man. Let's get back into one of them pieces. So coming back to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome to my brother and your brother, Mr. Orion Meadows. Okay, so this one is entitled The Dream. I was really trying to figure out which one I wanted to say uh, what and whether I wanted to say this one or not. So The Dream is based on an actual dream that I had about Martin Luther King. And, uh, you know, I woke up and I said, hey, you know, I, I got to write about this. But it took me a long time. It took me about seven months to actually write it. But I, I knew sometimes because when I write I see images. I see the imagery of what I want to say. And then it'll take me time. Sometimes I might be able to write it within the same day or week, but then sometimes it may take a six month, seven month time span, but I see the imagery first and then it becomes words. So this is called the dream. I dreamt that I stood at the balcony of the Lorraine motel down in Memphis on that dreadful day when they murdered MLK. The blast from the shot rang loudly as the men panicked and pointed at the sight of the horrific plight that had fallen upon their anointing. The scattered remains of his corpus was all I saw for the bullet burst through his cheek and then it crushed his jaw. And I swear, I swear at that very moment, it felt like the earth stopped revolving and time had frozen for the principalities had stolen the one that ages had chosen to be our black Moses. And the sky began to darken as the clouds turned to color purple and the moon was minstrel red and every street and every ghetto in America was inundated with rivers of crimson for the asphalt wept the blood of 144,000 martyrs. And arising from those bloody waters were the voices of my forefathers uttering the last words of hanging slaves whose bodies swung like strange fruit from trees on southern plantations while the leaves were singing words to Negro spirituals until they merged like a confluence of streams into the distinct voice of the one that I recognized from the archives. And when that voice materialized, my God, it was Martin, transfigurated in all his splendor. 
He approached me with arms open wide and the countenance ever so tender. And he said, do not let your heart be overwhelmed with sorrow. For these were tragedies of yesterday. But hope still lies in our tomorrows. Then he took my hand and he placed it upon his wound and I trembled as I felt trauma likened to a child when the slide through the canals of its mother's womb as I felt myself fall into time. Slipping in the darkness to speed of light. Standing the word through my rear view, moving down the highways of my life as I travel back to Senegal through the door of no return and cross the oceans to the Carolinas where nooses hung and crosses burned and I witnessed four faces of death. When a Birmingham church was bombed and when that smoke finally cleared, I was in the embrace of Martin's arms as I was born by the river. The Mississippi baptized, water and fire, fire and water, earth and wind, the wind pulled and lifted me up, carried me through the valley of death to the concrete jungles of the murder capital, where they murder for capital. Widows, D-boys be dealing that boy having street dreams of riches and glory, but end up filling the princes and morgues. That's when I heard the wind say, son, we brought you here because we want you to observe the degeneration of these generations, ramification of the dream deferred. This isn't what we envision, to march for freedom only to have our sons and daughters fill up these prisons, escaping the plantations only to wind up in chains, having the gains of the movement squandered and sacrifices rendered in vain. Never forget from where you came, because if you do, then the future's lost, for your ancestors pay the cost. Now you too must bear this cross. We all must climb this mountain in order to attain the prize, for life isn't worth living until one has found a cause for which he's willing to die. Then I realized the wisdom from all my teachers and the force that infused the voice that arrayed such impassionate speeches. Then the vision shifted abruptly to the balcony scene, back at that motel in Memphis where they murdered the beloved king. But to my surprise, I looked down to see that the corpse on the floor dormant was no longer Martin. It was me. Yo, <laughs> I'm sitting there while I'm, I'm following the storyline. I'm like, wow, this is like a movie right now. Man. I'm trying to see what's going to happen. Yo, that's dope. <laughs> dope, profound piece, my brother. You said that came from a dream? Yeah, yeah, I had a dream and I was like, um, so to make a long story short, I was walking along like a path and I was going down this path and down the path, that's like I saw... Um, it was an old path towards my grandmother's church, St. Paul Baptist Church by like, it's over by like 68th, 69th and Union in Chicago, over in that area, real close to that. And um, so I was walking towards that and then I ended up there and I was, uh, it was just, it was me and Martin. Mm. And he was telling me that, um, he was basically saying, look into the mirror and tell God that you want to be a martyr. Mm. You know, and I said, a martyr. He said, yes, tell the God you want to be a martyr. And so at the time I was trying to figure that out. But, you know, now, you know, my interpretation of it is just because a martyr is a lot of time we think that it's a person that that's that gets killed or whatever for a cause. And that's true. But also a martyr is a person that just sacrifices for a cause. Sometimes right. you may suffer, you know, so there you're going to suffer. You're going to sacrifice and things like that. And so. You know, um, that's what the dream was about, though. Profound, absolutely profound, man. Profound, man. I love the way you put it together, too. I love the way you put it together, man. But that's so deep, though. Thinking about that, that's that's so deep. You know, like we give when we, you know, when we think about life, you know, when we think about life, 
and all that it has to offer. I'm pretty sure you can attest to it also that when you're younger, you think a certain way. You know what I'm saying? So you get around certain people. Like I noticed, like I've de- I've dealt with a lot of different things. I've dealt with a lot of different religions, like really study, really study a lot of different religions. And I notice the same thing in every religion. The same thing, the same thing we're looking for. Everybody's looking for the same thing. Everybody looking for validity. Everybody looking for salvation. Everybody looking for something to make them whole and identity. You dig what I'm saying? So when you really look at it and you really think, only thing you really have to do is that self-introspection. That self, get it, get acquainted with who you are as an individual. Get acquainted with, you know what I'm saying, who you are. So that right. aspect about the modern and you're going to have to sacrifice, you know, that you being a martyr don't mean you're dying, but it means you're going to suffer. And right. a lot of us suffer, but you have to. In order for any growth to transpire, you have to go through a, 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 a period of change. And that change may hurt because you're growing. Growing may hurt. Like when you go work out, you get on the weight pile, you go work out. When you come back, your, your muscles are sore. The next day, they're even more sore. But what happened was you ripped your old muscle and now you made new muscle and now that it got to heal. So you got to go through that process every time to get to that next level of your physique. When you're, when you're trying to work out, you're trying to get your six pack, you may see two of them. You may see two of them and, and the, the other four, the other four may not come, but you got to keep working at it. So that poem right there, the way you just explained it about being a martyr, look yourself in the mirror and you got you to gotta be a martyr. You got to suffer in order to get anything worth having in life. I think that was just profound, my brother. Definitely do yes, sir. Yes, sir. Piece, Give man. me one moment. Give me one moment. All right, my battery. All right. My not, battery. Not Let me plug problem. this in. All right, guys, do your thing, but All right, I'm back. Yeah. So, yeah, my brother, man, like, I thought that was real dope. You know, the way you, you made that analogy about looking yourself in the mirror and, and, and he said you got to be a martyr. Profound piece, man. Profound. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, man. Yeah. Now we we getting short on time, but I gotta have all them four pieces that I need from you. So let's get let's get into your next piece. Let's get into your next piece because I want you to save the piece, my piece, the piece that I love. I want you to save that for last. So okay. let's get it. Let's get it to let's get into your third piece, man. And uh, let me set the stage back for you. Coming back to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome to my brother and your brother, Mister Orion. Meadows. Okay, so I guess I'll go with this one entitled Life. Kind of switch it up for you. And uh, I actually wrote this for my surgeon, I had to have surgery on my eye and it was a, you know, she was a nice lady. And, you know, I told her that I was a writer and I just thought about the eye, you know, and I just went from there. And so like my, I was in real jeopardy of losing my eye. And so she did a real good job on helping me, you know, with, you know, preserve my vision and keep everything intact. And so I was just motivated by that. So it's, you'll hear it as it begins. So it's like this, 
Perhaps the eye is a portal to a space between the spaces wherein is stored the collective memory of the ages. Information transmitted through the microwave radiation that traces us back to the very birth of the universe. And each cell tells the story of evolution from the prokaryotic existence in the primordial soup of the seas. And at the subtle depths attuned to the sun's magnetic field like the bees. And the senses can perceive the secret dialogue whispered amongst the flowers and trees while the mountains and streams sing their sacred songs like the oracles in Australia of the aboriginal dream. And we can hear, like Pythagoras' music of the spears, as the planets and stars enact the dramatic epics of heroes and gods, and how our chromosomes traveled from Venus and Mars to this third rock, where X met Y, and the two embraced in the spiral and staircase. And perhaps the lines etched in our palms are cryptic inscriptions of our path on this plane, as the days of future past run through the blood that flows through our veins, and the magnetic force brings us to this present in time giving us a presence of mind, entwined in quantum entanglement, induced by rapturous inundations of the neurochemistry in our brain, wherein is the vital spark animating the cosmic pulse in which sages for centuries have tried to explain. Some try to give it a name, an effort to define it. As for me, I just called it life. Wow. That life poem, that's dope, man. You got deep with that joint. Now walk us through this joint, man. Like where you where you was at? Like you said you was getting your eye done. And like, damn, man. Like you got deep in that. Like that piece right there, man, you got a little, you got a little, you know, philosophical. You know what I'm saying? That joint yeah. was it's, it's profound. The, the the elements that you was pointing out, man. The different aspects you was pointing out, man, is deep. Life, you know what I'm saying? Life. Yeah. You know, like like I said, I see it. Not all of them, but with some poems, I get into a, like a transcend a transcendent state, right? And where I see the the poem, and so like I. If I could try to like just take you through my mind's eye as I was visualizing it, right? So my eye, I imagine looking into the eye, and like I say, it's like a portal, right? So if you could look through it to the eye and go into the pupil and the iris, and then it would just like I'm traveling all the way back to the birth of the universe. Mm. You know, like when you if you would have watched Star Trek Enterprise or whatever, and, and they're going and they're just traveling through space and mm. that's just what was going on and so it's like i'm traveling through time i'm looking i'm no I'm, I'm in my eye but then i'm traveling back through time and like just the origins of life mm. that's just what was going on through my mind and so i saw all these things i saw uh and and like i remember the movie avatar and how you know they were able to talk to their ancestors by connecting their their, their dreadlocks or their hair or whatever mm-hmm. to, to the plants. And then that brought them into another dimension and all mm. of these different things. And so this is, these are the things that I saw in my mind's eye when I was creating a poem. Mm. So profound, man. <laughs> phenomenal, man. Definitely a phenomenal artist, man. My audience can see, they can attest, man. Like you, you, you got something to say, my brother. You really do have something to say, man. And it's 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 our job to get that out. 
It's our job to make the people hear you, make the people, you know, get the people to get inspired by your words because I'm definitely inspired. And I'm pretty sure my audience is inspired by you, my brother. You know what I mean? You walk in the walk. You talk in the talk, but you walk in it too. You know what I'm saying? I see it on your person. I see it in your character. I see it in the tone of your voice, my brother, your focus, and I can appreciate it. Now, I want to... Get yo, y'all gotta y'all gotta prepare yourself for this piece right here, man. Cause this this piece is funny. It's a it's a very funny piece, but it's not funny at all. You know what I'm saying? So I wanna I wanna I wanna prepare you. You're gonna laugh. I know you're gonna laugh. You're gonna chuckle when you hear this poem. But I want you to really absorb this poem because this poem really touched me, man. So let me let my brother come back. And do this final piece so we can just plug the book after you come back and we get, you know what I'm saying? Do all the plugging, but let's get into this piece. So coming back to the stage, let's give a warm welcome for my brother's final performance, Mr. Orion Meadows. All right, so um, before I go into it, like I said, I just want to shout out all the people that have been uh, very supportive of me. First of all, like I said, NAFI, National Alliance for the Empowerment of Formerly Incarcerated. Um, they embraced me when I got out here. Um, Red Inc., also known as Reassemble Education, and PNAP, uh, uh, Prisons and Neighborhood Art Education Project. They embraced me. Um, so I just like to, you know, thank them for all the love they've shown me, and also Tales of the Woods. I can't forget about them as well. Uh, so Inmate Appreciation Day. I wrote this. Uh, this actually happened while I was in Lawrence Correctional Center. Now they didn't give us fried chicken at the time for some reason. They said that there were too many inmates for them to be able to fry it for everyone. They didn't have, you know, what they they didn't have the means to be able to you know, supply the entire population. But for some reason on this day, the special day, they had, they were able to not just fry enough for the entire population, but they were able to just to give us at least two or three portions of chicken miraculously this day. All this time they couldn't do it. Now, in Illinois, I don't know if they do it in any other state, but they have what they call Officer Appreciation Day, sometimes even week, where they celebrate like the best officers, you know, whatever. Um, and but Inmate Appreciation Day, they never had anything like that. And so now they're giving us this chicken. But when you think about the people who are mostly incarcerated, right, the black people. Okay, and you know the association with in the history of with black people and chicken, fried chicken at that, right? So it just so happens that on this day you are showing your appreciation for inmates, and most of the inmate population is black, and then you give them fried chicken, extra pieces of fried chicken. So. I wrote the poem. The poem was inspired by this moment. So here it is. The type of thing that can make one angry or either drive them to tears. But I always knew in my heart these bastards were racist. Hell, I've been saying this shit for years. 
Still, it was hard for me to accept it. I almost couldn't believe my ears. Those words that I heard early that morning uttered out of the mouths of my peers. Now, since seeing believing for a guy like me, I just couldn't rely on anyone else. So I got dressed in my clothes, went and stood in that line, because I just had to see this shit for myself. While I was walking in line with O.J. Simpson on my mind, a CEO spoke to me on the way. He said, partner, where's the smile? Haven't you heard by now? Today's Inmate Appreciation Day. <laughs> Did that really happen? Maybe I'm overreacting, so I continued to make my way to the kitchen. And lo and behold, they were serving not one, but two pieces of chicken. The moment was so surreal, can't quite explain how it made me feel. All I could say, I was in awe. In all of my years of incarceration, this was simply something I never saw. Being rather perceptive of metaphors and symbols, I couldn't help feeling disrespected. So when I made it to the counter and they shoved that tray my way, my conscience just wouldn't let me accept it. I was so perturbed, the fiasco rattled my nerves. There was no way to conceal my mask. And that white shirt, yeah, he sensed it, my discontentment, as I walked by merely holding the glass. While en route to the table, the lieutenant stopped me and said, son, what happened to your tray? Scoffing, I said, I ain't going to eat it. I damn sure don't eat it. And I wouldn't get it to even give it away. He said, what are you crazy? Have you lost your scruples? It's evident you've gone mad. Take a good look around. You hear that jovial sound? All your nigga comrades are so glad. I wish it were a fable, but as I perused each table, the atmosphere was so festive and gay. They brought brothers to the kitchen, gave them two pieces of chicken, and called an inmate appreciation day. Suddenly, strutting into the cafeteria in his red shirt as usual with the warden. So I raised my hand because I wanted a chance to address a matter I felt was important. Mr. Wyatt, I said, what is this fiasco? Is this some sort of a joke? What are you insinuating? Because I find this to be the great. Now, are you trying to insult black folk? He said, no, no. See, you got it all wrong. We're not here to demean or derogate you. We're only trying to show and let you people know how much we truly appreciate you. Because if you didn't sell dope, drop out of school, murder one another and rob, obviously you wouldn't be property of DOC. And down here in Lawrence, we wouldn't have these jobs. So we're more than glad to have you here and certainly hope you have a long stay. Have a seat, ease detention, have another piece of chicken. Hey, it's inmate appreciation day. The situation had me stunned looking up at that gun and that tower that was pointing my way. Because seeing that smirk in that laugh made me want to put my foot up his ass and show him appreciation the inmate's way. Returning to surveil the scene, I saw brothers big teeth over their trays looking happy as hell. Smiling, licking their fingers, lips all shiny and greasy. You swear they forgot they were in jail. An old timer came to me and he said, why you always the one who rebelling? This here chicken's good. All we need now is sweet potato chitlins and watermelon. Man, I wanted to smash this Heidi Heidi ho ass, grinning wide as Cab Calloway. Damn, I couldn't believe niggas was so naive about inmate appreciation day. Am I the only one in this institution who feels offended and disgusted? The only mind that's keen to see this is just another means for the administration to say fuck us? I mean, think about it. Deep in your heart of hearts, do you really believe they give a damn? How could the food supervisor be the CO, then the teacher? Man, this whole operation's a scam. Rehabilitation? Nah, just human warehousing. Fool you livestock, what they really want to say. No, thank you, but I'd rather starve than eat your chicken. To hell with inmate appreciation day. Profound.
peace, my brother, man. Profound peace, man. That piece tickled me the first time I heard it. I went back and listened to it again. And just so I can absorb it, man. And the key point, man, the, the major takeaway, man, is how they use us to to fund whatever they got going in these different. Because you know where they put the prisons at. You know where they put the prisons. They put the prisons in them hick towns. They put them in these these rural parts where they don't get a lot of, of traction. So it brings the economy up where they're living. And it's all because of you. But when you get there, they treat you like trash. They treat you like dirt. But it's because of you. It's because of the things you do is the reason why they got jobs. It's the reason why they 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 live in the life that they living up there. You know what I mean? With their cousins and they, you know how they do. And I don't want to get in, get, get in all that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Brothers, sisters and all that. No, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but it's profound, bro. That's a profound piece, man. I can identify with that piece. I can relate to that piece. That is so crazy and the way you put it, because it's not just related to prison or institutions. They find ways to make you complacent, find ways to get you to not think about what you need to do to better you to get the fuck up out of there. You know what I'm saying? So I I really appreciate that poem, my brother, man. I really appreciate you've taken the time on such short notice to come and to do the show. You know what I mean? Because I get a lot of guests sometimes, and sometimes I got to wait for some artists to come and everything. One thing I know is about you, my brother, you was on time. You was on the you was on the line before I got there. When I turned on the when I got to the link, I said, Oh, snap. That only happened to me one other time. A person was there already before I even got there. <laughs> so that's good character, my brother. But I definitely appreciate you. But I want you to tell the people the best way they can get your book the best way to follow you, the best way to support you, the best way we can do whatever we can do to support you, to get you to that next stage where more people can hear your work. Because I really believe my brother that you have something that people need to hear. So tell the people, man, go ahead and plug yourself, brother. All right. So my name is Orion Meadows, Orion, like the constellation and Meadows, M-E-A-D-O-W-S. I'm on Facebook. So, you could check me out there. Some of my content and what I'm doing. I'm also on Instagram, as he said, under O listed as O Metals. My book is on Amazon, uh, Kindle. Oh, all three of my books actually. The roles, both um, Inside the Box and Birthmark, are available with the ebook and paperback. Right now, the roles that grew through the barbed wire is just available on ebook, but the paperback will be available like within the next two weeks. Mm. So you can go there or you can get the books directly from me. And, you know, I'm right here in Chicago. You may see me at some of the venues or whatever. My, um, you can get in my, my email information, which is uh, Orion metal 67 at Gmail. So if you want to hit me up that way Mm. and then you can, if you, I don't know how you want to do it. If later on you want to provide it, but you can also um, get him uh, my Zelle. Definitely, I'll put that. You, you, you send it to me, and I'll definitely put it in the description for the um podcast episode. Podcast, right, right. Also, I, I wanted people to know about my company that I just started. I'm the founder of Sahu Creative, and so what we do is we try to help people, artists that are in prison. 
uh, artists, writers, even like people that are fashion designers, because I know a lot of people that are in there talented. We try to help them get their work out there so that the, the society can see it. The public can get a, a good glimpse of it. And then we also try to help them, you know, financially compensate them for their work, but not just people who are incarcerated, but people who are out here in the streets, artists or whatever that are trying to, you know, get their name out who are trying to come up and get exposure. And they're not necessarily getting any feedback or any support from the, you know, people out here, the publications and so forth out here. Sahu Creative is trying to help the the, the, the the underdog, the little guy. So mm. hit me up and we can work together and try to get your stuff out there because that's what it's all about, helping people who are marginalized, deprived, and overlooked. Most definite, man. I definitely appreciate your movement. I appreciate your drive, you know, and what you're doing for your community, man, because you're definitely an inspiration for people who are looking at you on the internet because that's what I do all day. You know what I mean? I go, I look for talent in the spoken word realm on, on Instagram mainly and uh, to find new talent, man. And I'm so happy that I stumbled upon you, my brother, because you definitely have something to offer, man. And definitely anything that the Spoken Soul Sessions studio can help you with, man, in promotion. When you got your new projects coming out, don't hesitate. When your new book come out, you can, when the, when the paperback come out, you can come back on the show and you can debut it. You know what I'm saying? You All right. right. Yeah, I appreciate show. that. Definitely, you know man. Saying? I got a couple more pieces for you, man. I know we ain't had that much time, yeah, but man. I know you wanted to hear that inmate appreciation day, yeah, but I got some man. more stuff that I'm willing to spit for you, man. If you know, you'll have me again. You Most know, definitely. I will definitely have you on the show again, my brother. I would definitely have you on the show again. Cause anything you got going on, I want to be instrumental in helping push it, man. Cause I think it needs to be pushed. So I will have you back on the show. Perhaps I'll have you on the show with some other previous guests and we can do a panel show where we can get the different perspectives of different spoken word artists about certain topics you dig what i'm saying but definitely i gotta have you back on the show my brother i appreciate your time man you being real a real dude man when i hit you up you wasn't you didn't get hollywood on me or nothing man you, you know what i'm saying real a real one man and i really appreciate that you took the time out to do this to do this podcast with me man and like i said anything i can do is just shoot me Shoot me a text, shoot me a, um, a DM me on Instagram or whatever, my brother, and I got you, man. Especially when your paperback book come out, I definitely want to be able to promote that. I definitely right. want to be able to promote that because I'm definitely going to get all three of your books. I I definitely got to get that, what you call it, that, um, the one, the, uh, not the birthmark, the one you said that you wrote in the style of spoken word, like, like oh, inside the box. Inside yeah. the box. I want. I yeah. definitely want that one. That's in, that's available in paperback. Yeah, that's the one I want right there. I want to read that one. I can't wait till I get my hands on it. I'm gonna get it too. Trust me. I'm gonna post a picture when it comes too. I'm definitely right. gonna definitely go post it. But I appreciate you, brother, for coming. Y'all go check my brother out. And remember, I want to remind the audience to always, you know reinforce positive affirmations with one another you know our people we've been persecuted we've been we've been marginalized we've been ostracized we've been we've been everything that's been done to us only thing that we have in common truly in common is this pain so why not like like come together and reinforce positive affirmations with one another so that we can be better i, I appreciate my guests for coming through I appreciate you guys always coming and chilling with me. You know, 
always coming, giving your feedback, your commentary. I want to remind you to be a better version today than you were yesterday and be an even better version tomorrow than you were today. I love you guys. I want to remind you to always, always speak your soul. Speak your soul. I love you. And I hope you love me too. Peace.